the Across the Pod NFL podcast. We're here as we review the wildcard rounds going into the divisional round. And with me, I'm joined by a returning guest, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Freddie Harper-Davis. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Thanks, Andy. I, I think one of the one of the pleasures of being a, a fan of the teams not in the playoffs is that you can just sit back and watch everyone else cry and squeal as their teams either just about to scrape through or head home to sit on the sofa with the rest of us. Yeah, it was a weird thing for me because usually, you know, usually it's the Steelers that are involved in the playoffs and Dolphins usually aren't. But on the you know, real reverse this time, it's been, um, you know, I've seen my team just for the second time in my lifetime playing the playoffs and you've probably on the first times ever in your lifetime seeing your team not in the playoffs. So it's, um, I think they actually said on the, I think one of the games they were saying that it's the first time since I think it was 2000 that, the Colts, the Broncos, the Steelers, and the Patriots all aren't in the playoffs, which is quite amazing. It's um, you know, but yeah, it's um, things are changing in the NFL. Um, but yeah, good, good New Year's and Christmas for you, Freddie. Yeah, all, 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 all well, my end, and uh, hopefully the same with you as well. Yeah, I mean, I was, I got the you know the thing every man and his dog seemed to have over Christmas. I had the the illness, but. You know, which meant I didn't do anything New Year's Eve and I, Christmas Day was very uneventful for me. But I still got to be with family, so that's the most important thing. Um, but although Anne Rogers did ruin my Christmas Day ever so slightly. <laughs> um, right, so the first game was the Saturday evening game, uh, 9.35pm, I think it was. As the 49ers advanced, they won by 41 points to 23 over the Seattle Seahawks. And a game that, for a while, was looking like the Seahawks were going to cause an upset. I mean, it was... Uh, they were winning at halftime. I think it was 17-16 at halftime. But um, in the end, the 49ers failed. They, the only ones that got points in the third quarter, and they got um, 12 points more than the Seahawks in the fourth quarter, which ultimately meant that they went through to the divisional round. And we'll get on to who they're playing later on, of course, to start the show. was Brock Purdy, I mean, Caffrey had 119 scrimmage yards, Debbie Samuel had 133 receiving yards, but Purdy, you know, Mr. Relevant, had 332 yards, 18 completed passes from 30 attempted ones, and three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, would you say, I mean, a lot of talk about him, obviously he's turned from Mr. Relevant to Mr. Relevant. Is he the real deal, or is he just someone that's having a good good few weeks? Um, I think... The thing is with with rookie quarterbacks, they tend to come in, play a few games, and then fade away. Normally, the lower round, the the lower round quarterbacks. So, um, Skylar Thompson, for example, came in. We thought he'd play okay the first game or two, and it it slowly degraded. The same with Mike White. He's another example, and plenty of others before that. But he's come in, played good, clean football, not turned the ball over. That's exactly what you want, um, and done what he's had to. Has he? shown signs of brilliance and been throwing extremely accurate balls and dragging a team through it? No. Um, but when you've got the likes of McCaffrey, Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle, um, the list goes on and on. You've got an elite offensive line. Um, you've got a great defence. All you need is a guy who's able to get the ball to your your weapons. And um, Brock Purdy's delivering that. And... Um, I know they've got the highest um, yards after completion rate in the league. That's not Brock Purdy's problem. He's just doing what he's told to. He's fitting in the clock and playing really good, clean, sensible football. So fair play to him. I, I don't think he's anything 
particularly special, but he's not done anything wrong yet to prove me otherwise. So um, fair play to him and good on the Niners. They're, they're going to be a real, real danger to anybody they face. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, um, you know, he's doing a lot more than Jimmy Garoppolo did. You know, he's a guy who had the same players around him. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo's future is pretty much not with the 49ers. I think they'll stick with uh, Purdy or Trey Lance. They'll probably have a decision to make in the offseason as to who they pick because they put a lot of money and they put a lot of draft capital, I should say, in getting Trey Lance, you know, which we benefit from a lot. And, um, and yeah, so I think that's a real decision they're going to have to make. A bit similar to the, you know, the... Um, the Nick Foles and Carson Wentz Eagle situation where, you know, Nick Foles came in, got the job done, but, you know, it was always seen as Carson Wentz's team, which on the flip side, looking back at it, I don't think either of those players really were the guys going forward. But uh, I think with Purdy, I think that he had a great time. I'm going to remind everyone who's listening or watching on YouTube, the stats of Drew Locke in his first year at Denver Broncos. So five games started, a 4-1 and record. Over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns, three picks, and everyone back then was saying this is a guy. Go-. I even wrote an article on it saying he was the guy going forward. I, I think a lot of people like myself were convinced that he was the guy for the Broncos, and and since then, 2020, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and then 2021, two touchdowns, two picks, and 2022, he's not thrown a single ball for the Seahawks. So, I think there's that as well. I mean, um, Brock Purdy's been great, but I think that he is still early on. Uh, so I think there's definitely a danger for 49ers fans and, and the team around them to think, oh, this guy actually, he's having a good time, but you know, let's see what he's like in years' time. Because, But on the flip side, you know, Tom Brady, you know, it could be a Tom Brady-like career. I mean, Tom Brady came in, I imagine, back then it was the same sort of thing. I remember watching the America's Game where a lot of fans were still saying Drew Bledsoe over Tom Brady and look what's happened in Tom Brady's career. So I think, you know, there's definitely reasons that both could happen. But I do think that, uh, for me personally, it's, I think, a wait-and-see until next season. Um, but the Seahawks, um, they got to be proud of their season, haven't they? Uh, making it all the way to, to the wildcard round when everyone was having them down as having a really bad season, being in the top three in the draft. Um, yeah, you got to praise Pete Cowell, haven't you, for the season that the Seahawks have had. Oh, absolutely. And um, we, we were chatting during the game about how uh, great their draft picks were this year. And Tariq Bullen, um, who's been outstanding, and he was a fifth-round pick. Their first-round pick, the tackle, Charles Cross, who you said was your favourite tackle in the in the draft. And to be honest, he's been proving that. He's been absolutely outstanding. And the guy that I've got in pretty much every fantasy league, I could possibly draft him in, in Kenneth Walker as well. So um, three outstanding draft picks who've come together. This team at the start of the year, I think 90% of us were thinking they'll win three, maybe four games and try and get a top draft pick. Well, what they've done is they've made the playoffs, and um, thanks to a certain team in the in the mountains of Colorado, they've also got a top draft pick. So, um, yeah, it's all worked out quite well for Seattle. They've got two good first-round picks. Um, they had a playoff appearance when they didn't expect them to. Geno Smith played really good football. Um, I don't think they'll replace him next season. I suspect they'll stick with him and try and build around him. Um, and, yeah, this team's... a one that could possibly go places. I mean, they've still got to deal with the 49ers twice in a year. And as we saw on Saturday, the Niners were just too strong in the end. At least at, half, at the half, being a point ahead, I don't think we, any of us saw that coming, but they just got blown away by um, 
just the superiority of the 49ers both on both sides of the trenches. Um, so they've got a long way to go to get to that level. But um, yeah, plenty of very positive signs to take away from a team that we all thought was in rebuild mode. Yeah, and they have got the fifth overall pick as a result of the trade for Russell Wilson and also Denver's really bad year. Um, now, the next game is probably the, the funniest in my eyes um, and the, the the maddest game, I think, of the whole weekend. Um, as the four, as the, the, four times, the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the, the Los Angeles Chargers by 31 points to 30, but that's not the, the real story. The story is that at one point in the second quarter, the Chargers were 27 nil up. They picked off Trevor Lawrence four times, including three from Asante Samuel, and they went into the half 27 to seven up. In the end, Riley Patterson kicked the winning field goal as the Jaguars progress, and they will play the Chiefs, who were the number one uh, overall seed in the AFC. Uh, I mean, I have, I have to laugh at this. I really do. It's um, I did a Instagram story about this. Anyone who saw that would have seen my reaction. But for me. Brandon Staley has to go. And I know today they fired um, their offensive coordinator. His name's completely passed me by. Um, um, Lombardi. That's the one, yeah, that's why. So, yeah, they, they fired him. So, I think, and I've seen Herbert as, um, you know, he's come out and defended Brandon Staley. So, I do think his job now is safe. Um, and I did actually article on t- today, actually, that he is probably on the, hot, the hottest of hot seats. Um, I think that he's now Cliff Kingsby gone. I think he's going to be the main guy everyone's going to be talking about, especially being in his third year, which is the year that everyone seems to mostly get fired if they're not having a good time. Um, I just think that you know his decision to not play to to play Mike Williams in a key team has come back to bite him because looking at the stats of this game, I mean, looking at the Chargers receiving stats. I mean, Austin Eckler had just 35 rushing yards. He's their best rusher. But then, looking at the receiving yards, Gerald Everett at the way was 109. Um, but after that, Keenan Allen had 61. And then the next best is Joshua Palmer with two recept- just two receptions for 31 yards. I think they could have really have done, could really done with um, having Mike Williams there as another option. But the collapse that the Chargers had, I mean, I've got to give the Jaguars credit because they, they're the ones that came back and Trevor Lawrence could have easily, you know, had that first half and let it get to him. You know, he could have easily just got uh, been down in the dumps and not played well second half. But the way he came back and the way Doug Peterson led this team was fantastic. But to lose that lead, Brandon Staley, I think there's got to be serious questions asked about, about him after this. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth because I was also about to say how I'm stunned that Brandon Staley is still in the job with um, Sean Payton right there. Um, I thought he was destined to be the Chargers' new head coach. Um, But not to be. And clearly Justin Herbert sees something in Brandon Staley that some of us don't. Um, But this, (laughs) the problem is, is that Staley has inherited a team that is very talented. They added some really good pieces in the offseason, the likes of Khalil Mack and JC Jackson. They've got great players in the defense. What I what is bugging me is why the guy in charge of the defense, i.e. Staley and his defensive coordinator, are not getting more of a, a slagging. And the guy who's been canned is the offensive coordinator. Um I think Lombardi's judging by the Chargers fans I've spoken to, has probably hit his sell by date. But there's got to be questions about that defense as well, because it just folded into pieces in the second half. Um, I mean, they did turn the ball over of Trevor, Trevor Lawrence four, four or five times. I think it was four interceptions and a, and a fumble. So um, 
they got all that in the first half and then I don't know if it was complacency or nerves or I don't really know. It was, as you say, it was like watching two di- completely different games in the space of one match. It was it was bizarre, but um, credit to Trevor Lawrence um, and credit to the Jags. That they're that wild card team that you just don't know. You, it's a team you you want you want to rule out and say, nah, they're not going to go any further. They're not going to go on and beat the likes of the Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs, whoever else. Um, but uh, there's that willpower and that fight to keep going and sticking games even when they're down by 25, 30 points. And um, credit to them. I don't know where that came from, but yeah. I don't know. Sometimes the NFL, you just have to sit back and go, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy considering that, you know, when he was the Rams defensive coordinator, you know, they were first, be looking at the stats just now, they're first when it comes to total yards per game. Their passing defense was number one and their rushing defense was number three in the league. So it's not as if, you know, Brian Staley's an uh, OC that's not got much of a defensive background. This is a guy who got the job basically off the back of having a great defensive record with the Rams and, you know, to come in and lose that lead. And then the, the Chargers looking at going back to the stats, going forward to to this season as well, looking at defensive stats there, it's not great either. I mean, looking at their rushing yards allowed, they're in the, in the bottom five. Um, passing yards allowed, they are, again, bottom five which will mean the same thing for yards per game and looking at the points they allow um they are actually they're a bit bit better when it comes to that but even so it's not nothing special so this is a guy who's meant meant to, meant to be you know defensive ma- mastermind and he's i don't think he's really proved it and even last year i've not looked at those stats but i remember they he lost in the game in that um potentially that raiders game the one where he called the timeout i mean a lot of people thought they were going to kneel it and it's a lot of chitter chatter that that's what they were going to do until Brandon Staley's time up gave him time to think about what to do. Um, so I think Brandon Staley, I think in terms of hot seats next year, I think I think he's the obvious one in terms of people that people people be automatically looking to for hot seats. I really can't think of anyone else. I mean, Mike McDaniel, if his play calling continues to be bad, we will get on to that in a minute. Um, maybe I think Kevin, I think Kevin Stefanski is as well. If Watson doesn't fire. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. I mean, the, the GM is going to be. I think the GM will be the first to go if, if he plays bad. No, which I hope he does. My fingers and toes are both crossed. Um, <laughs> if he does bad, I think the GM will be the first to go because he's the one that um, you know they they he was part of the trading away all the draft picks. But at the same time, you know, Stefanski. I think especially if Cream Hunt does go. I mean, I know there's talk you requested the trade that little this season, um, and I think that. If the run game doesn't continue like it is, I think that's their their biggest strength gone. I I do fear that for him, he might go because 2020 seems like yesterday, but it was two years ago, and since then they haven't made the playoffs. So it's, I think, yeah, I, I saw they stayed in number one in the hot seat, but I I wouldn't be shocked if the fantasy loses his job, especially same as Staley in that in that famous third or fourth season. Um, we mentioned the Dolphins. We'll head on to that game next. Um, the game I want to talk about the least in the whole weekend, uh, but the Bills did beat the Dolphins 34 to 31 in a, probably the second best game of the whole weekend. We Dolphins went down 17 nil before a miraculous comeback. So at one point, lead the game, game 24 to 21. 
And in the end, we did lose by 34 points to 31. Um, I'm going to give you the chance to speak about this first, because I want to have a, as much time as possible not to speak about this game. So what was your take on um, on this game and how it went? I've got to be honest. I came into this game with zero expectations. In fact, I was so close at one point to not even bothering, because I thought the Bills would just blow the Dolphins out of the water. But I chose to watch it, and... I mean, you said it was the second best game. We I think the problem with neutral is it dragged so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game took nearly four hours, which is is laughable. They had to move back the the following game twenty minutes because it was taking so long, um, and it was just so clunky. Um, both teams. I mean, we were expecting it from the Dolphins. Skylar Thompson is nothing special, um, and we've seen that. The Dolphins offensively are just not the same team without without Chua. But um, Josh Allen was... I, I, I don't know what happened to the Bills because they were 17-0 up, as you say, in cruise control. Um, I was thinking, well, the Dolphins could at least put some effort in and keep this close, and they sure kept it close. Um, but it was just... Error after error after error after and forced throws and I, I don't know what's happened with Josh Allen this season, but um losing Brian Dable and you've obviously got um Dorsey now has been promoted from quarterback coach and he's the offensive coordinator. And there just seems to be more of a reckless side to Josh Allen where he's making throws that he really shouldn't be making. And it's becoming quite costly. Um it he's reminded me more and more of Big Ben, which is it, that that is what he's like. Um, except he can run a bit quicker. But, um, I mean, I can run a bit quicker than Big Ben. That's not a challenge. Um, but uh, the Finns, yeah, they gave it a good go. I was really impressed. Their defence stepped up to the plate. I mean, um, Xavier Howard was getting blown apart first sort of course in a bit, and he built into the game. Um, the rest of the defence built into the game. I think there's still some things to work on, for sure. Protection of Chua, if he does come back, is a priority. Um, the run game, I'm still not entirely convinced. I know the Bills and um, the Dolphins didn't have um, Mostert because he was out injured, but there's still something I would want to see worked on. Obviously, you had a makeshift defensive line as well because you had so many guys out. Um but this is a team, again, that's got the talent and the ability to do something next year. But it's all going to come down onto the health of your quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, there was always a, you know, as a, as a fan, you always have that back in mind thinking we could do this. I mean, I'm having it when Liverpool played Barcelona and I had these similar sort of feelings. And I was thinking, and when obviously went up to both in the second quarter and the third or fourth, whatever it was, um, I did think to myself, okay, we could actually do this. And I was getting ready to to buy a Zaxi the top and get exactly the jersey. It was like, you know, looking like it was going to be one of the most famous victories in our recent history, but then ultimately it went away. I mean, there's a lot of takeaway for me that I'm really happy about. The fact that we did all this with a makeshift defensive line, practice squad people were there, the third string quarterback, you know, only one really healthy running back, no, he most. Uh, and I think there's a lot of that that I can be, I can be happy with. I'm fully aware that on the, another day the Bills wouldn't have been as sloppy and they could have beaten us by about 30 points. But I do think that I'm quite confident that we were 14, 17 point underdogs in this game. And we ended up taking it to be a three point game. And 
Uh, I really am positive about that going forward. I think especially if Tua is healthy, I think that there's a lot to be positive about. And I think if we can go out and get offensive linemen, I think that's our biggest area in free agency and the draft to address. And I think that even if we haven't got a first round pick, cheers, Stephen Ross. Uh, I think that we need to make that a priority in draft, whether it's second round, third round, whether it's free agency. I don't even know who's available as free agent offensive linemen, but I think that's our biggest area of need. I think defensive coordinator, maybe we need to change because I don't think Josh Boyer has been anything special this year when it comes to the passing game. I think run defense has been really good and it was really good actually in this game. But I think the passing defense needs to change because it's really funny how under Flores we were so good on the defensive side and a bit shaky on the offense and it seems to have flipped. But I have one takeaway that I'm a bit annoyed about. It's Mike McDaniel. I've been a critic of him before. I think he's a really cool guy, a really funny man. I, I love the guy. But some decision-making, the clock management was appalling in this game. I don't know how you can you know, not get your players there. Even if he's saying he didn't know it was first down, even so, you should have the, the team there. You should, have the, you, know, you should be able to get these players to get set on time. And there was you know, a lot of burnt timeouts before this as well, which ultimately cost us in this moment and made us go from fourth and one to fourth and six, which ultimately we couldn't convert. And that third and 19, I think that's the biggest thing. That gave Bills all the momentum in the world. I think that it's something that... I think Neil Reynolds hit a bang on the head on the Sky Sports coverage that, as a coach, you sometimes have to just accept that you're not going to get a first down and just punt it away because we gave the Bills a ball. I think it was Kai Elam who caught it. We gave him the ball on the 30-yard line and they ultimately scored from that drive. And, you know, in the end, we lost by three points. So I think Mike McDaniel... I think he gets a lot of leeway this year because it is his first year as a head coach. And I think that I'm hoping that he will learn from this season because there's been a lot of games where his coaching has been questionable. I remember the game I went to in Miami against the Vikings. Um, there was a questionable decision there as well for me. And I think that that's one thing he'll learn. And I'm, I'm hoping that he'll be a better head coach as a result in the next year or two. Um, so, yeah, I think that... We are team going places, and I think that if Tua is healthy, and I think if we give him the protection he needs, I mean, I love Teron Armstead, but he's as injury prone as Tua. So I think if we can get some, actually, I'm going to look at now, actually, I'm going to look at some free agent um, offensive line because I think we need to get some stellar men in. I think we've got some really bad players in that offensive line. Robert Hunt is so shaky. And I think that um, we need a lot of change. Here we are. So offensive linemen that were available in the draft. You've got Orlando Brown, um, Chelsea, Jason Kelsey, but he's about 55 years old. Um, there's not a lot of old offensive linemen. You've got like Jesse Davis, Eric Fisher, Riley Reef, all these old players. And um, yeah, I don't think any of them are going to be guys for the future in that line. But, um, but yeah, I think, on the Bills side, though, I think they have a lot to be concerned about. I think on the one side, it is just a one game they played bad. And I think that, you know, they, they could easily brush it off and go into the next game and beat the Bengals. Shock horror, they do win the game. Um, but at the same time, there is definitely elements I think they should be concerned about because Josh Allen had far too many poor throws. Um, the defence at times, I think the secondary against us, especially in the Buffalo game, in the regular season and the postseason game against us, they were left exposed at times, uh, especially by quick receivers. Um, so, do you do you think really the Bills should be concerned about this going forward to their next game, or do you think that this is just a one-off and they'll be absolutely fine in the divisional round? Um, tough one because 
as I say, Josh Allen has been prone to making errors. Um, the Bills can't seem to get ahead, get beat them. They seem to beat themselves more than they beat. Other, I mean, not like the Chargers or the Falcons that just beat themselves on a weekly basis, but it, it uh, they are prone to making errors. And um, I think when you are playing the the really free the cream of the crop and the uh, and you go to places like Arrowhead, I know they're not going to. To if they end up winning the ways they end up in Atlanta, but um, if you end up going to these places and having to win games not in Buffalo, um, you can't you can't make those errors. And um, they were lucky enough to win this week. I mean, any <laughs> another day and Miami win that game. And even with um, even with Teddy not very good, Bridgewater at um. <laughs> At the helm, I still think the Dolphins would have won that game. That that's how precarious that win was for the Bills. Um, I do want to take up one point you said though about um, McDaniel and his play calling. I think that um, it just comes down mostly to just being a first year coach. Uh, new players, new system. You've got you've got a rookie head coach with a rookie quarterback. These things are going to on the road in a playoff game again in a noisy place like Buffalo. These things are going to happen. Yeah, there was a lot of false starts, a lot of false starts. But um, and I mean, if he was told that it was the first down, there's not a lot of time to be able to switch that into a fourth down um, call. So I I have a bit of sympathy for him. I definitely don't think he's on the firing line by any stretch. He should be given at least a couple more years. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the future is bright in Miami. I really do, as much as it pains me to say it. <laughs> well, you'd rather them than the Browns, wouldn't you? All to see all the uh, Ravens or Bengals. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> all the Patriots. <laughs> oh, no, no one wants that. I mean, Boston's a great city, but no one wants the Patriots to be to be good again. Um, just like the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, <laughs> if you if you are listening and not watching, he is wearing a a Bucks beanie hat so i'd like you to um i mean i'm i am I, um, I know they're doing all right this year but um yeah no it's um i think you know i want to see if, if it's not steph curry or james harden playing in the nba finals then i don't really care <laughs> um right heading on to the next game was this is i think the consensus best game of the weekend as the minnesota vikings played on the new york giants and the giants won um, a game that I predicted on our Vikings and Giants podcast uh, episode preview as they won by 31 points to 24. I mean, this was just a, a back and forth offensive shootout. Both defences didn't cover themselves in a ma- massive amount of glory. Um, Saquon Barkley ran the show for the Giants. Daniel Jones, the first player in playoff history to have 300 plus yards passing and 75 yards plus rushing. Daniel Jones, I've I said it in the group chats recently, I think he is Eli 2.0. I think he's just turned to a different beast. And that's exactly what Eli Manning did. And I think that this is a spoiler ahead of our Eagles Giants preview. But I think the Giants beat the Eagles. I think they're gonna they I think they can go all the way. I think they can eat, I think they can beat the 49ers. On a day, I think they can beat the 49ers, I think. So um the Giants really impressed me. I think Daniel Jones is playing lights out. But the Vikings, I mean <laughs> For one, I don't think you can really blame him. You can blame him for the final play, but really, I don't think you can blame Kirk Cousins too much in this game. I think it is down to the defence that let him down there. But another year, another player disappointment for the Vikings, which is why they are the NFL equivalent of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> um. Well, first of all, I would like you to call me an idiot. 
Okay, you're an idiot. Why? <laughs> Thank you. Because I decided that I thought the Vikings would win this game. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I got four. I got four of them right this week. The one that I got wrong was the I thought the Chargers would beat the uh, Jags, so I was an idiot for that. And I also thought that the Vikings would beat the uh, the Giants. Two playoff um, bottle jobs that they bottle it every single time, and yet I decided that those two teams were going to win it. So, um, yep, yeah, I, I am a numpty. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't blame Kirk Cousins. He was near perfect. The only error he made was on that fourth and eight, which, to be honest, if you look at if you look at the All-22 or look at any other angle, you can see that there was literally nothing open Um why they had a scheme that had Hawkinson three yards ahead and three guys running way beyond the sticks with a man covering each one. I, I don't know. I I don't understand that play call whatsoever. I would need somebody who knows far more about offensive football than me to, to break that down and explain why the Vikings did just that. But their issue is the defense. It really, really is. And it's been that it's been that all season. It really hasn't cousins. He gets a lot of stick from um, from us and from the media and so forth, but he has had a really, really good season and he's dragged this Vikings team through one score wins week after week, um, covering up what is an absolute shambles of a defence, which has got guys like Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, all these old guys that um, really, they need moving on. Um, simple as that. I don't think they'll get rid of their defensive coordinator, um, Ed Donatel. I don't know how to pronounce his surname. It's probably something different in America. Um, but he's a first-year coordinator, so I think that he'll give him time with his own guys. But my word, does that need that needs some work in the off-season? Um, but for the Giants, what on earth as as what on earth has happened to them this year? It's just it's almost the same. It's not even they've not even made many wholesale changes. The only change is adding in their head coach. And Dayball has managed to turn Daniel Jones into a beast overnight. I know Saquon Barkley's stayed healthy all season, and that is a huge thing. Um, but Daniel Jones is playing lights out. He's playing like a top 10 quarterback, which no one saw coming. Um, and as you say, they really could go into Philadelphia, as you've now uh, revealed who the game will be. Um, and they could cause a shock. I might be an idiot and again and go for the Eagles, but hey that is what it is. Yeah, and I think that Joe Judge must be absolutely fuming that Saquon Barkley for once stayed healthy when he's not there. But um yeah, you've got to give huge credit to Brian Dable for what he's done. And I think that, you know, whatever happens, whether they win against Philadelphia, whether they lose, I think all around it's been a tremendous season and it's their first playoff win in eleven years, their first playoff win since they won the Super Bowl. And I think they are a team that I think whatever happens this year, I think going on to next year and beyond, I think that they're a really good team. They found some great, you know, Isaiah Hodgkins had a great game. Richie James has been great in parts. Um, Daniel Jones had a great. Bellinger's been, when he's been healthy, he's been good for them as well. So I think they are a team that I think, you know, a certain team that would be back to the old selves that we saw all those years ago with um, when OC was playing and and Michael Strahan and uh, Eli Manning and, and the like. Um Right, heading on to our penultimate game, uh, which sees the Cincinnati Bengals as they defeated the Baltimore Ravens by 24 points to 17. Um, the real main takeaway from this game was the crazy play that took place at the one yard line where it was, the Bengals had one yard line to get. 
and somehow I don't I still don't know how it happened, but the ball comes to ben, the Bengals defensive player Sam Hubbard, and he runs all the way for a touchdown and 99 yard return touchdown, which is I believe the longest ever in playoff history. Um, I mean, it doesn't get more crazy than that, does it, for a playoff game? Well, it, it's as somebody said in on my um, on my Facebook group the other day. Um, the AFC North clashes, they all follow the same pattern. They're all about sort of 24, 20, 2017, all close games decided by a turnover. There's always a fight or two in the game. There's always some really stupid penalty. Um, the coaches always get involved. It's the same thing for every single AFC North clash. And this was no different. It was two teams um, I thought the Ravens would give this one a go. I was not surprised when I didn't stay up and watch this one. I wasn't surprised when I saw the scoreline. Um, I, the Ravens, yeah, they should just have run it with um, Gus Edwards or um, the running back who I've forgotten his name. Who? Um, Dobbins. That's the one who uh, had a rant at the uh, end of the game, which was beautiful watching from a Steelers perspective, watching him blow up, but. Um, yeah, um, I think I think it's fairly obvious that they should uh, do anything they can to uh, extend Lamar Jackson. The offense is built for him. Um, I questions really do have to have to go around about their uh, their future though. Harbaugh's a bit like Tomlin; hasn't won many playoff games in the last decade. Um, Greg Roman. I think his time is well and truly up, to be honest. I think he's a pretty useless offensive coordinator. Um, but I think he may end up sticking around. Um, and Lamar knows that the Ravens have to pay him. I think Lamar could get an absolutely crazy contract this this offseason. But um, time will tell. The Bengals advance. I don't think they play pretty well, but these AFC North clashes are nothing like the rest of the playoffs. So, They'll be a completely different team next week. Um, well, one thing that does concern me, though, is the offensive line injuries and Joe Burrow having to run for his life yet again. Um, but he managed it last season without an offensive line. So um, who stop, who's going to stop him doing it again this year? Yeah, I think that's a big thing. I'm just looking now at the injury report for the Bengals. I know Jonah, Jonah not Jonah Hill, Jonah Williams, um, he's got a knee problem. Um well, look, so Cincinnati Bengals injury report. Who else is there? So once it loads, it will tell me eventually. Um, but yeah, I think it's nothing it doesn't it's not working. But um, yeah, I think for me, Jonah Williams' injury will be big, and I think that against you know against Bills or against the Chiefs or against the Jaguars, they've put up a shop. I think they're going to have some issues if that O line isn't fixed because yeah, there were times where he was the protection was pretty bad for him. So I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge problem. And I hope that Joe Burrow can be sent back down to earth with a loss in his next game. But I think they could beat the Bills as well. I think it's going to be a very exciting game. I think that might be the game of the week. Um, we've only got four minutes left. So we'll quickly run through the final game as the Bucks were knocked out of the playoffs by the Dallas Cowboys. And this was quite a humbling score for the Buccaneers. In the end, it was a score of 31 points to 14 with... One less touchdown for the Buccaneers coming as a almost like a garbage time touchdown. Um, but yeah, so Dak Prescott, I've been a big critic of him in the past, but he actually stood up in a big game. Um, so I've got to give him a lot of credit. He was absolutely sensational in, the, in this game last night. 
yeah, he was great. Um, I thought he was very, very good. C.D. Lamb, very, very good. They've got two good running backs, one bit overpaid, but two good running backs. Um, they've got a great defense. The Cowboys are a threat. Um, are they going to go? I'm going to do another spoiler. Are they going to go into San Francisco next week and win? I'm not sure, but um, yeah, a, a good, a very good performance against the Bucks team that are dreadful. I, I'm not even going to try and butter it up. They are a really bad football team at the moment. Their defense has regressed hugely in the last couple of years. Tom Brady's not looking himself, but making a 45-year-old throw 66 times is utter, utter, utter lunacy. They have no run game. Byron Leftwich's ideas have completely ran out. He'll be somewhere else next year, might even be in Pittsburgh. Um, I, 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 We haven't got enough time for me to go on about how many problems there are with Tampa Bay, but that team needs a big rebuild and they're not going to be competing for some time. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think Byron Epich actually has lost his job today, DOC. Um, so I think that which is crazy considering he was off the he was off the Jags job or interviewed for the Jags job last off season. I think Tom Brady. I think he plays elsewhere. If you look at his post match press conference, um, it was clear he was indicating he's leaving the Bucks. Whether he's retiring, whether he's going to the Raiders, who knows? But I think that Buccaneers. I think their time as a a team that's going to be competitive, I think, maybe over now. I think Todd Bowles, I do think maybe he wasn't the right guy to appoint. Um, looking back at out, I don't think the coaching's been great this year. But we'll wait and see on that. Um, but the Cowboys, for me, I think that we like the 49s. I think they were actually, for the first two quarters, Purdy was looking a bit nervous. So I think that up against, you know, a better team, I, I'm interested to see how he does against a better team when it comes to the big game, Brock Purdy. Um, or, but I think the Cowboys... I think they could easily shock um, shock them. I think Brett Maher has got to improve his kicking if they are going to advance any further. Missed three or four field goals in this game, but um, four, yeah, four that, extra points missed. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. No, it was like you think that a four field goals fair up, but four extra points out the closest you can get to the end zone. I, I think that it was, um, and you can see you can see in his face when they went to the, for a two point conversion rather than going for the extra point. You could see he was like fearing for his job. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, that kick at the end may well boost his confidence now and then for next week, he may be absolutely fine. Um, but that is the end of our wildcard round or super wildcard round pre uh, review. So uh, thank you, Freddie, for coming on, first of all. No problem at all. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>